Percy, I've often heard people say that if someone does not survive a battle with cancer or sickness and disease after trusting in the Lord for their recovery, that they were not healed. What do you say to that? Wayne, I would say simply this, that those individuals, for whatever reason, did not understand the difference between cured versus being healed or made whole. And I think that we should discuss the difference between the two. And we're going to have a nurse that's going to give us her version of that school of thought to talk about today. All right. So join us and stay tuned. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. I'm going to cut right to the question we're asking listeners today, Percy, and they can respond to us on our website. Have you ever experienced healing while not being cured? Now, you may need to explain that question just a bit. Well, in lieu of the conversation that we're, we're going to have with our, our nurse, who also is a strong believer, she raises the point that there is a difference between healing and being cured. And I would say that uh, I would agree with her to a certain extent. And so with that being said, when we unpack the dynamic about healing and cure, is there a possibility that, particularly from a sickness and disease perspective, that the disease was not removed or taken away, but there was some aspect of healing or restoration, recovery that took place mentally, emotionally, relationally with individuals. And so though your your physical malady may not have been removed or eliminated, there were other elements and aspects of your being that you experienced healing in in spite of not being cured of sickness and disease. Ah, that's very good. I appreciate that. So the question remains, have you ever experienced healing while not being cured? Would you uh, do us a favor responding to that? You can do it on our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Connect at the top of the page. It will drop down to, uh, you can answer a question. Have mm-hmm. you ever experienced healing while not being cured? Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk about it with our guest here in just a few moments on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. We always appreciate your response, and uh, when you answer these questions, it doesn't just go into some unidentified inbox. It gets read by Percy, and you're looking at one of the answers right now to a recent question. Yeah, so in my inbox, uh, I want to respond and share uh, a response from someone from Portland, Oregon, Uh, And the question was, what superpowers did you discover you had as a result of your cancer journey? Remember, we talked to uh, a cancer patient who said she discovered her superpower. Yeah, I remember that very well. (laughs) (laughs) And so with that, uh, what superpowers did you discover you had as a result of your cancer journey? And the response was this, I have a very low threshold for physical pain. But I discovered that with the help of the Holy Spirit, I could endure much more pain in my body than once believed. And this is exactly the point of the exercise. That's right. If spirituality and faith uh, has a benefit to it, you know, there should be some tangible things that we can associate with. And in this particular case, this person, you know, in and of themselves, it wasn't their power. It was a power that came from a higher source. That's why we called it super. Uh, That's the reason why we use the term supernatural. Uh, When we combine the natural 
with God's super and combine the two, you get supernatural. And so with that being said, uh, in this particular case, this person said that they were able to endure and work through uh, much more pain than they normally would under uh, circumstances. And it was because, in their opinion, the help of the Holy Spirit. So thank you for responding to that All right. question. Thank you indeed. And to respond to this week's question, go to healthhopeandinspiration.com. You can also download our free resource at the Crossroads of Faith and Cancer. Why don't you turn to the scripture and then we'll meet our guests in a moment. So our uh, spiritual nugget today is found in Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verses 8 through 9, and it reads as follows. And listen very carefully. This is going to be important for today's conversation. For my thoughts, talking about God, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's frame that for today's conversation when we begin to try to unpack some dynamics around healing, cure, when, where, how, mm-hmm. etc. cetera. And uh, this should help us as we continue to move along this spiritual path. Great choice of verses. Our guest in a moment, but if you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, a comprehensive cancer care network. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, recently, Percy sat down with the help of Zoom to meet our guest. Let's listen. Well, I'm excited. We have a nurse, and I love speaking to nurses. I've said that before so many times because I think that nurses are the backbone of, uh, quite frankly, the clinical environment. I know that, you know, typically doctors get get all the love and all the shine. But if, if you don't have good, solid nurses, I think it would really impede the process of uh, the medical experience and the clinical experience. And so we have with us today Kim Burgay, who has been a nurse for now 16 years, uh, and she's worked nine and a half of those years at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Phoenix. It's a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us, dear. Thanks for having me. Well, as stated in the opening, you're a nurse. You are a nurse that works in the field of oncology. And so before we kind of delve into uh, that dynamic, and you're also a, a woman of faith as well, and we'll talk a little bit about your faith and the role of spirituality and so on and so forth inside of the clinical environment. Let's talk a little bit about how and why you became a nurse. What motivated you to do that? Well, I actually grew up in a family where we had lots of aunts and aunts who were nurses. So I saw them throughout my life and just kind of saw that the joy they had and the stories they would Mm -hmm. share about being a nurse. And it just really inspired me that that's probably something I would enjoy as well. So one could say, for lack of a better word, you know, nursing is kind of the family business. (laughs) Yeah, actually, you might say that. (laughs) When I've spoken to other nurses in times past, I've also heard that there is this strong kind of 
natural, intuitive dynamic about caring for others. And kind of some people have even said that there's kind of a, a caring gene or a DNA that just is coded and wired inside of an individual. And certainly uh, all of my experiences inside of a healthcare environment and all of the relationships that I have, and there are many, uh, I love nurses and I respect nurses. So on today, if there's any nurses that are listening, uh, we send you a huge shout out and we thank God for, for your gift and, and what you bring to the bedside experience. As said in the opening, you are, um, you've been doing this for quite a while now, 16 years, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and you work in an oncology, oncology environment. Uh, how did you start it, uh, entering into nursing from an oncology perspective? Were you always an oncology nurse, or did you start in a different area, a specialty, before you came into oncology? Let's talk a little bit about that. Actually, no. I actually started in the emergency room ah. and did that for about seven years before I got into oncology. Mm. And um, it was actually one of the patients um, – that was from CTCA that came into the emergency room. And while I was there and they told me about CTCA, um, they told me I would be a great um, asset, the CTCA. So I looked into it and that's what actually motivated me to get into oncology. Gotcha. And so um, you're working in this field, which is a very, you know, it's a very, very difficult environment. You know, you see uh, people who are actually fighting and in some cases struggling uh, dealing with issues of mortality in some cases, not all certainly, uh, and, and you know, and, and and cancer treatment at times can be rigorous. Uh, how do you manage, uh, you know, to still be as compassionate as you are and do that day in and day out, and not really experience? Uh, and I believe the term is compassion fatigue. How do you avoid compassion fatigue? Well, first of all, um, I have learned over the years that, um, like when I first came to CTCA and working with oncology patients, people were looking for a cure Mm. and they were focusing on the cure. And what I learned over the years is we need to help them focus on healing. Mm. And so um, I realized that is helping them with mind, mind, body, and spirit. So I feel like as long as I can go each day and kind of be the light in them. And it's not always about the outcome of the day. It's not how, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? But at the end of the day, did I um, do my job? Did I do my role in helping them with their journey and making their journey a little bit easier? Not necessarily cure them, but help them heal throughout their journey. And so let's make the distinction and be clear from your perspective the difference between cure and heal. Because again, for some people that may be synonymous and in, and based upon what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all, that there is a distinct difference between the two. So let's take uh, cure first. And, and, and it seems to be obvious, but cure from your perspective means what? So cure is simply um, getting rid of the disease, okay. getting rid of the cancer, um, or even bringing it to complete remission where they may not be completely cured. Okay. So then, and so let's transition into the word healing, the difference between healing and cure from your perspective. So healing, I believe is helping their 
their mind, body, and emotions. So like um, looking into their journey and their and things that may kind of made them sick along the way, mm. their anxiety, their stresses, their lack of support systems, things that uh, may have kind of shut them down along the way. And because of that could have, you know, been part of making them sick. So by helping them through that and helping them realize that there are other things that are involved in healing those little parts, it can help them maybe not cure them, but help heal that part of them. Okay. Does that oh. make sense? It, yeah, well, and it's interesting because I, I have kind of a, a spiritual uh, concept, if you will, based upon a one particular scripture uh, that really speaks to the dynamic of what you're saying. And uh, for those that are listening, they may be familiar when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, uh, the Bible tells us. And I've had the privilege of actually standing in that spot uh, and have gone to Israel uh, where uh, in the in the particularly in the King James translation, Jesus asks this man, are you willing to be made whole? And yes. uh, and 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 when I dig into the the etymological background and definition of that term, it, it really means to change the way that you think when you when you dig through the translation. And and the way that I have processed that and I want to dig into where you just left off on is that first and foremost, a lot of what ails us or that we are at dis-ease with is, yes. is things of primarily first and foremost how we process uh, psychologically who we are, traumas in our life, issues, anxieties. There's a whole host of things that create kind of a mental framework of good or bad of, of who we are as individuals that then filters down into our emotions, you know, and how we process that and how we deal with that and how we cope with that, that then may very well lend itself to uh, not being well, not being in a place of, of being healthy. And then we, we get into a myriad of things, potentially of diseases of all sorts and all types that then very well may be as a result of some of those areas that we have been at dis-ease with. And so I think it's an interesting concept, and I like the way that you kind of framed it. And, and you know, when we begin to understand that, then I think that transitions into particularly the environment and the organization that, that, that you work in from a clinical perspective. Mm -hmm. One of the kind of key uh, focuses is under is is allowing uh, what is called integrative uh, support, uh, holistic you know kind of orientation that deals with the very fact that there may well be and is some sort of sickness and disease that needs to be directly and clinically responded to, but there's also a mental component and an emotional component. And, you know, from a faith-based perspective, a spiritual component that needs to be supported, addressed, uh, and, 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 and on some level understood and that they all tie, tie together and they work together for potentially optimal healing or wholeness. And so let's talk about that dynamic of being able to work in an environment. You have this compassion gene. Uh, you come mm -hmm. from a family of nurses. Uh, being able to work in an environment that that allows this kind of integrative model to be understood that we've got to treat the whole person and not just their disease type. So what is it like to be able to work in an environment that allows you to put your skill set, uh, first of all, as a as a clinical person and then as a believer, a person of faith? 
where you can actually support people mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually, and physically. What is that like for you from a nursing perspective, and how important do you think that is? Okay. So first of all, I want to clarify that um, the patient has to sort of be in the same mindset. It's their journey. Yeah. So first and foremost, if their goal is cure, then I have to support them in their goal. Okay. It's not that I can't share with them, but I have to be respectful. If it's strictly they want to cure, then I have to fight for that. But there are patients who, um, I mean, I will ask them, are you spiritual when I walk in the room? Mm. And I'm blessed to be able to ask that and ask for permission to talk to them about it. And if they are spiritual, um, I can pray with them. I can ask them, do you want prayer today? Or I can just simply ask them, where, how do you find um, help through your journey? And sometimes they'll tell me it's friends or family, and I can find out where their support system is that can help me along. And it's where Uh often times that out of nowhere, they'll mention maybe that they're not, their support system was their wife, but they're not getting along with them right now. Mm. And I can talk to them and pray with them through that. If, if that's the spiritual direction they like. Um, But it's amazing how quickly people will share with you and by just getting that off their chest or praying with them, you can see that um, it is helping them in healing in various ways, which I believe helps them um, in their physical cure as well. And and what I love about that approach, number one, is uh, what we call uh, patient-centered care, which is mm-hmm. understanding and getting to know what is it that the patient needs, what do they want, what's important yes. to them, and basically – in a, in a Reverend McCrayism is let the patient drive the bus. You know, we're not the bus yes, driver. Exactly. Okay. And, and it's a, it's, it's, that's a great model and philosophy, obviously, because we put the patient in the center of care and let them dictate the terms of what it is that they need, what they want and what they value. And I think that all, anyone that's dealing with and inside of a, uh, a clinical environment, dealing with any type of medical challenge, ultimately wants to feel like that they're, you know, that they are in partnership, you know, that they're not being dictated to, that they have something to say about what's going on with them and that there's someone that will respond to them. So that that's very important. The key component or one of the key components that I heard that I want to pull and extrapolate from this is the spiritual dynamic. You're a woman of faith uh, and and you have a very uh, strong core uh, faith belief uh, system uh, what does it mean to be able to support patients spiritually? How does that? How do, how do you feel about that? And and does that matter to you from from the perspective of what you do as a nurse? Yeah, I just feel like it just kind of is another tool in my toolbox uh, of um, things that I can do for them. I of course need to first and foremost do the nursing care that they need, mm. but you can do things simultaneously. So being able to pray for them or just, you know, give them words of hope or um, loving kindness, because I always say when when you share love, you share Christ. Mm. So just by loving on them and being a light in their day, that's sharing Christ. And what God does with that someday, maybe they'll remember, you know, we'll all come together. I don't know what God's doing, Mm. but I'm telling Mm. you, I believe he's working in the in the background, making all of this um, come to fruition. 
Well, I love the fact that you said you can do both at the same time. You can attend and make sure that their medical needs, yeah. and that's important because it's crucial and it's and it's you know it's top line of thought. They're there for medical treatment mm. and they're receiving of that. Course. But also to your point that you know you can also uh, if warranted and if if needed and wanted, you know you can apply some element of spiritual support to that individual. And I, I and my thinking when you said that you can walk and chew gum at the same time, you can do both at yeah. the same time, and that's a beautiful thing and I think that we have grown and matured in both camps in the medical field camp and in the the faith camp that these two worlds can coexist together that they can mutually uh, benefit each other on behalf of the patient and not be a kind of a tug of war and a you know and a fight that who's in charge and you know who's you know who's 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 actually driving the bus? The patient is driving the bus, and we're simply mm-hmm. giving them the things that matter to them that potentially, when they all come together cohesively, potentially can make a difference in their experience and, if nothing else, uh, provide them with the needed support to work through that journey. And I think that that's a powerful, uh, powerful thing. Have you ever noticed uh, or witnessed, I should say better, uh, a time where you walked away from a, a clinical scenario and you said, wow, I saw the hand of God move today. I saw, I, I feel like God did something that was a little different it, it, that extended itself beyond just the medicine and just the science. And, and again, uh, you, you was like, wow, I, I saw the hand of the Lord at work in, in this particular situation. Yes. Uh, There was a time not that long ago where I had a patient who was just in excruciating pain and we had just given him medication and we were waiting for the results of a test. Mm. So we couldn't just keep giving him medicine without knowing the cause. And so uh, he looked at me and he said, is there anything else you can do for me? Mm. And I said to him, well, are you a spiritual person? Mm -hmm. And he actually looked at me, laughed and said, Actually, I've been a pastor for the last 30 years, however long it was. And I said, well, is that all right if I pray with you? And he was like, of course. And um, so I prayed with him. And while I know it didn't take away the pain, I could see in his eyes that there was some sort of peace despite the pain. Mm -hmm. Well, when I came back the next day, um, he was no longer coherent. He was um, about to pass away. And his family was now allowed um, in with him because of COVID. Mm. Often, you know, we can't have family in. And so um, I shared that experience with her. And that alone just gave her peace to know that even when he was suffering, God was there Mm. and gave, you know, him hope and had someone that was advocating for him. And um, just to kind of end it, it was pretty miraculous. Um, as he was passing away, one of the nurses came in and said, I don't think he's there much longer. Mm. And so I went in and um, asked the family, would you like me to pray with him as he's crossing over? And so we literally were praying as he um, took his last breath. Wow! And um, there was just a joy and a peace in that room that I've never seen before or since with a patient that is passing away. That's really powerful. Well, our, our last question as we've run out of time, and I could just talk to you forever, Kim, and, and you're just awesome. You really are. Uh, what 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 gives you hope? What sustains your hope? 
uh, ironically, someone just asked me that question yesterday. Mm. And um, it's funny, my initial response was, the hope is in um, the people around me that even when I'm in my work and when I don't even know it, there are friends and family and pastors praying for me. But then I thought of it even further. And um, I don't know if you've seen the Queen's Gambit, the Gambit, the chess movie. Oh, yeah. But I, I started thinking of life as a chessboard mm. and how, you know, we think, you know, we look at our moves and we think we can st strategically plan, but we can never quite figure out the perfect plan. But God is up above. He's got the perfect plan. Mm. And while we just may be a pawn in this, if we just do our part, the, you know, we, the results are extraordinary. It may be simple. We may not be the queen, but maybe the, we will become the queen as the pawn, if that makes sense, if you're a chess player. But knowing that God's in control, uh, it makes me realize that as long as I just do my thing each day, he will make it for his glory. Wow, that's a great analogy. I love that. Well, today you've heard from Kim Bergay. She is a nurse at CTCA Phoenix, uh, has been in nursing for 16 years. And uh, as she said, she's light. She wants to be light in dark places uh, to illuminate the hope and the faith and the, the presence of God uh, to those who are working through, you know, in some cases, pretty dark circumstances and situations. And today I would say that you're doing just that. I salute you, my dear. Uh, I thank you for your commitment and for your gifting. And more importantly, I thank you for the fact that you know who the King of Kings is. And so mm -hmm. uh, as Amen. you display his glory and, and, and his righteousness, uh, people will be blessed and, and, and he will be glorified. And so today uh, we say thank you and appreciate you so much. Continue to keep up the good work that you're doing. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. You too. Our thanks to our very special guest today, Kim Bergay, and we'll continue with Percy here in just a moment. According to the American Cancer Society, nearly one out of three people in the U.S. will receive a cancer diagnosis during their lifetime. And caring for people living with cancer is a growing need in every church today. To address this issue, we've developed the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet this great need. If you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join our growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. Joining the Ministry Leaders Network is absolutely free. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leader resources, information about ministry training opportunities, and our informative monthly email newsletter. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page, and please join the Ministry Leaders Network today. How special, Percy, to have a nurse, an actual practicing nurse, join us on the program here today, and a delightful one at that. Well, go figure, Wayne. We're talking about cancer. We talk about a clinical environment, and lo and behold, we're talking to a nurse. <laughs> and as I often say, first of all, let's salute and shout out nurses everywhere. Mm -hmm. They are the backbone of the medical community. They do the yeoman's work. Uh, at the end of the day, I I don't remember many people telling me uh, per se about how great their doc was without talking about also the impact of having a nurse yep. experience They're as well. They're a team, well. aren't they? If they are a team. And so we we salute nurses everywhere and we thank you for your diligence and your commitment. That being said, 
we we gain insight from nurses and they help us. They're at the bedside of patients. And in many cases, they become more intimately engaged with patients more so than probably anybody else in that environment. And this particular nurse of, you know, several years, I believe 16 uh, in the field, also strong believer and, and has a strong faith orientation and quite frankly helped to share, I think, something that enlightens us around a school of thought to consider from a faith perspective uh, when we talk about healing and cure. Yeah. And and she brought up a very provocative point of distinction that I thought was thought is worthy of a conversation. It makes you think, doesn't it? It does. And and you know, uh, a faith is not worth having if faith cannot be challenged. Uh, in terms of what do we believe, and more importantly, why do we believe it? And in the advent of the day and age that we live in, you know, there's a lot of discussion and uh, within certain rank and files of certain uh, theological camps around healing and and what does that mean and how does it uh, get appropriated and so on and so forth. So I'd like to preference my reaction and response to that in terms of in lieu of, I would say, uh, Wayne, the last three or four years, you know, we've lost a number of great faith leaders who have stood and and taught and disseminated the Word of God, encouraged faith and mm-hmm. belief in God's Word and in His promises. And many of them have taught on healing, faith healing, if you will, that uh, ultimately at the end of the day, uh, you know, we stand today in lieu of the impact of COVID-19. Yeah. We've lost many faith leaders as a result of, of, of things that have happened as a result of COVID. Uh, even, and even before that, you know, Dr. Billy Graham, mm. uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, who died in a plane crash, mm. uh, Dr. John Cherry, who died, uh, who aspirated on the table after receiving, uh, you know, a, a scope of his uh, an, an endoscopy. Oh. Uh, and, and so many others, you know, yeah. recently at the time of this recording, Dr. K.C. Price yeah. uh, and even Carmen, yeah. uh, all yeah. beloved. Who, who was a guest on this program. And, and I'm yeah, thinking who of- we had the. Yeah, who we had the opportunity to interview. Yeah, and I'm thinking of Lois Evans. And Lois Evans, of course, uh, the wife of Dr. Tony Evans, who is beloved as well. Well, I only raise those names not to point a finger at anyone, and that certainly is not my intention here. But it does highlight the fact that I believe the faith community as a whole is trying to come to terms with where is the line of demarcation of healing and when does it happen how does it happen? And quite frankly, what does that mean in its totality? Well, we had a nurse uh, who works in in the you know in the field mm-hmm. uh, with cancer patients who's a strong believer, and she offered us something to consider, and that was that there uh, is a difference from her perspective of healing versus being cured, yeah. and and that opens up a discussion that I think that many. Uh, would be interested in at least entertaining at this yeah, point. Yeah. Well, teach us. Take us there right now, if you would. Yeah. So, you know, uh, among all of the things that that she said, uh, she raised the point that there is a difference between healing versus a cure. So her response was, and I asked her directly uh, from her perspective, what is healing? And she said, healing is helping the mind, the body, and the emotions to work through the process or the rigors, and I'm paraphrasing here now, of of a journey, a healthcare journey toward the prospect of being cured. And then she made the distinction that 
cure from her perspective is the elimination or simply getting rid of the disease itself in its totality. Yeah. And so it raises an interesting school of thought. And in lieu of uh, just a few examples that I've just listed, and they're, 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 they're just a small uh, example, there were many, many more faith leaders over the last three or four years that, that have died and gone home to be with the Lord. And many of them as a result of some type of sickness or disease or even a tragic you know, loss of life yes. under certain circumstances. And uh, with that being said, I am reminded of a scripture that that we are told about when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. Mm. And I had the privilege and the opportunity of standing near that environment Did you? that where allegedly this story took place. And there was a man there among many other people who were sick. And the Bible says that Jesus walked up to him and asked him a very profound question. And he asked him, when you read it in the King James translation, it says, Jesus did not ask him, quite frankly, did he want to be healed? He didn't use that terminology. He used the language of, uh, are you ready to be made whole? And when you dig into the uh, the Greek definition and usage of that word, it basically means, are you ready to change the way that you think about your circumstance? That's great. And, and, and how you see your situation and then work through your process from there. And we know the rest of the story. The, the Bible says that Jesus told the man to pick up his bed and walk, and he did. And that at that very moment, it says he was made whole. Well, there's a lot of dissecting that can be done with that. But my take on that in lieu of this healthcare professional's uh, interpretation and her healthcare experience, and I think it's important to notate that, is the fact that there, there very well could be a difference between being healed versus being cured. Mm -hmm. And my experience of 20 plus years is that I have ministered to and prayed for thousands, pastors included, spiritual leaders, who for whatever reason did not survive the battle of sickness and disease, but along the way, in, in lieu of a cure, the pursuit of a cure, the intentionality of being cured, there were various different aspects of their life, mentally, emotionally, relationally, that experienced being made whole or healed. I think of relationships that have been restored, that were torn and yeah. severed. I think of uh, issues of unforgiveness of self and others that as a result of a process toward a cure was resolved and rectified. And so the point that I, I simply submit for consideration is that uh, maybe we need to reevaluate how we score uh, the end result of a challenge of physical sickness and disease and not relegate it to either the person won or lost mm -hmm. uh, because of the lack of yeah. a cure at the end of the it's day. It's not that simple, yep. And, and I think that, and that's why our scripture that I read, uh, you know, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. And I'm sure that there will be some that can theologically try to push back against that. But we have now experienced a, a, a number of great men and women of faith who transitioned on to be to go home with the Lord who died of sicknesses and diseases and specifically of cancer. But the question that I think that we should dig a little bit deeper into is, you know, were they not healed? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, at the end of the day, is not transitioning into the presence of God, as the Apostle Paul would say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
and that that is our ultimate healing, if you will, and our ultimate cure. And if we expand our thinking and our definition and our expression around that, then I think that we have greater opportunity to be able to manage the mental and emotional uh, letdown of losing, particularly people of faith who declare their healing is in God and in the Word, and I believe that as well. But just because they did not survive uh, about with sickness and disease, if you will, that was not cured. Does that mean that they were not healed of some other aspect of their soulish realm along the way? And I would suggest and argue that I agree with that school of thought and that that works for me theologically and that allows me to better manage my grief and and my bereavement when uh, a loved one of faith and certainly a great leader of faith uh, passes away and then we're not able to reconcile, well, what happened, Lord? How come, quote unquote, they were not healed from the old paradigm that we just unpackaged? That is such good teaching, and I'm sure a real comfort to a lot of people who are listening today. So thanks to Kim for uh, bringing up that topic in the first place, and Percy, mm. thanks to you for that uh, that good teaching. Give us the reference again. That was Isaiah 55? That was Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, that basically said, and we have to remember this, uh, for my thoughts, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And so when when things don't go the way that we think they should or the way that we desire them to go, even based upon uh, the precept of the word of God, we have to remember that God says that our thoughts are not his thoughts and neither are our ways his ways. Verse nine, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We have to be reminded today that God is sovereign and that we sit underneath and we should are supposed to submit underneath the sovereignty of God so that, you know, lean not to our own understanding and, and allow ourselves to be directed and governed ultimately at the end of the day of the confidence of this, that God knows best, Father knows best, mm-hmm. as, as an mm-hmm. old sitcom <laughs> used to say years ago, yep. and that we can trust in the confidence that ultimately uh, God has the last and final word and be reminded, even in the face of losing a loved one, uh, that did not get cured of sickness and disease. Uh, they have been healed. They have, and they are experiencing the ultimate healing. And we will see them again one day, which allows us to maintain our faith and hope in God that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to His purpose. Outstanding. Thank you, brother. And if you'd like to respond, a good way to respond is by answering mm. the question, which you know puts it succinctly. Have you ever experienced healing while not being cured? Answer at healthhopeandinspiration.com when you click on connect. Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Thank you, brother. We'll talk I'm again. I'm honored and I'm humbled to be in your presence and to speak on behalf of what we think God is doing in the lives of his people. Right. Remember, we've got work to do, so continue to keep chopping the wood. Thank you for joining us for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person. 
body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.